Um, so we're actually looking at different stories throughout Scripture that, that were culture-creating stories. And I just this is just a little reminder. Sorry, it's the teacher in me. Um, <laughs> I wanted to kind of track where we've been. If you can't remember or if you, you uh, didn't hear one of these, you missed one. Um, as Keith said, you can go back and listen to these uh, on your podcast platform of choice. They are all available. Um, so these are sort of the topics we've talked about, uh, creating culture by being bold and humble, creating a culture of, of fostering, uh, a culture of going first. Uh, last week was a culture of finding the good. And today I'm going to talk about the culture uh, of sharing the journey, uh, creating a culture where we share one another's journeys. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about as I was beginning this, this message is the idea uh, that Elisa and I, um, my wife and I, we love to take drives. Uh, we drive all the time. So like sometimes uh, when our kids were very, very little, uh, we would do what would call, what's called a rolling date. <laughs> we would put them, strap them in their car seats because they'd always fall asleep in the car. And then we'd just drive around and we'd sort of have, a, we'd talk to each other. Um, oftentimes it involved a stop at the Cheesecake Factory for it to go uh, cheesecake, but <laughs> that was only sometimes. We would, so, so we've always sort of had this, uh, this affinity for driving together. And even now, sometimes we'll hop in the car and just go for a drive kind of up in PA just to spend some time together and talk. In fact, uh, one of our most famous uh, driving stories, we were living in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, the geography is important because I'm about to tell you where we drove. Um, so we lived in Raleigh, North Carolina. We were planting a church. Um, so I was the pastor of a small church. Um, much the way Keith planted Life Path, I had planted a church. Um, so we didn't have a ton of money. Uh, we didn't have kids yet. It was just the two of us. But we wanted to kind of spend some time together and get away. And so we decided to drive around the Chesapeake. Now when I say drive around the Chesapeake, I don't mean drive around near the Chesapeake. I mean drive around the Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> And you guys, of course, live near enough to the Chesapeake Bay to know that that's kind of a massive undertaking. So we decided, let's do this. So we jumped in our car, and we drove to Virginia Beach, I guess, is where that, that crazy weird bridge tunnel that still freaks me out. Have you ever seen this thing? It's like you're on a bridge, and all of a sudden it disappears underwater. Like, who thought of that? That's crazy. So we did the bridge tunnel. We went up uh, the peninsula. This is before we knew we were going to be living in Delaware, so it was kind of our first experience with that. Uh, drove up around kind of near this area and then back down through Annapolis and down. And that was, we didn't stop anywhere. I mean, it might have been a nice drive if you had taken three or four days and stopped at a bed and breakfast along the way and had a nice meal or whatever. It's kind of, it would have been lovely. But we were poor and bored and we were just like, let's drive. So we just drove a loop around the Chesapeake Bay. And when we got back, um, I remember talking to my brother about that uh, experience, telling him what we had done. And his question was telling. His question was like, what on earth did you talk about for 15 hours? <laughs> that was his question. And that is the reason we like driving together. We like taking drives. We'll drive, we drive without the radio off because we talk. We have conversations. We have these, these in-depth and, and really invigorating and enriching conversations when we're in the car together. And for years, I've kind of wondered, why is that the case? Why is it so much more likely for us to get into a good conversation when we're in a car? I have a theory. It has not been scientifically proven, but I have a theory. And my theory is, in a car, you are side by side and your eyes are forward. And everybody always says, you know, you want to look people in the eye when you're really having meaningful conversation. I don't, I don't buy that. <laughs> it's a little intimidating and sometimes intense to look someone in the eye and say, tell me what you think. But if you're side by side and looking ahead... You can have open and free conversation. 
That's my theory anyway. And I think that there are some other things that, under, that underscore that, that reinforce that theory. Um, that, you know, the idea that having your eyes on a shared destination, that's kind of what it means to be on a journey with somebody. You're side by side, heading in the same direction, and you share your life. You share conversation. You share your thoughts. Another experience that came to mind is um, back a few weeks ago, I, I, for a long time I have wanted to do like uh, overnight hiking, right? So new hobbies when you're in your mid-40s that kind of dumb to undertake at such an old age. But I said, I can do this, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So thankfully, my good friend Sean offered to be a guide, and I brought Jack, uh, my, my 16-year-old son. So a few weeks ago, we did two nights of overnight hike on the Appalachian Trail, which I still can't decide how to pronounce it. Is it Appalachian or a How many say Appalachian? How many say Appalachian? Uh, yeah, see, I don't know. I say it, I, I, I go back and forth. Anyway, on that trail, we're on the AT, and so we, we're hiking together, and we did two overnights, which meant that we, we hiked in from our car, spent the night, hiked even further, spent the night, and then hiked all the way back. And I learned a couple things about being on a journey with somebody, right? The first thing that I learned about being on a journey uh, through that experience was that there is a sense of camaraderie when you are on the trail, I don't know if any of you have ever done any like serious like through hiking or, or overnight hiking, anything like that. Everybody you pass, super friendly, because they know that you're in it together. It's kind of like I've heard people who drive Jeeps. If you drive a Jeep, you pass another Jeep, you're like, yo, what's up? Like, you, you, like there's a thing. It's like, yeah, we're Jeep people, right? It's like that. When you're hiking, we'd pass by and we'd be like, hi, hi, you know, and we're saying hi. In fact, it was so funny. Everybody said hi, and they kind of said it so quick because we're walking, I, I turned to, to, to Sean and Jack once and I said, wouldn't it be funny if we found out later that they weren't saying hi, they were saying hike, 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 hike. So every time after that, somebody would pass by and say hi, and I would just sneak the K on the end of it and be like, hike, hike. Yeah, we're hiking, hike, keep hiking. So there was this camaraderie, this sense of like, hey, we're in this together. And sometimes they'd, they'd say things like, you know, all right, be safe. Or sometimes they'd ask questions like, hey, do you know what's up with, with this boulder field ahead? How's that going? And then sometimes we'd stop and be taking a break and having a snack and people would come up and they'd sit next to us and we'd have a conversation. There was a sense of togetherness. When you take a journey like that, other people who are on the journey, they understand and they get it. It was interesting to contrast that with the end of the, the, the hike. We were nearing where we had parked our car, which was a popular place for people to park their car and take, you know, short day hikes. Maybe they're going out for 30 minutes, they're walking their dog, or they had their family with a picnic or whatever. And the closer we got to the end, the more of those type of hikers there were and the less conversation there was, the less greeting, the less friendliness, the less camaraderie. I'm sure they were very nice people, but they, didn't, they weren't sharing the same experience. They, hadn't, they didn't have a 65-pound pack on their back, and they, they hadn't just spent two nights in the woods, right? They're just walking their dog. Sharing the experience of the journey, it does something. And lately, I've been uh, having some conversations with some of you guys at Life Path, and one of the things that, that I've liked, enjoyed doing is going on walks. So we, instead of going and having coffee, which is a great way to have a conversation, um, we go on a walk, which I found is also a great way to have a conversation. And the same thing as the drive, that applies. Our eyes are on the same destination. We're talking side by side, and it's really, really nice. It's comfortable. There's something about being on a journey together that, that brings us together. So what does all this have to do with church? What does all this have to do with our life of faith? It has to do with our life of faith because we are on a journey together. 
And we need to understand that creating a culture where we are willing to do the things uh, to support and reinforce that journey, that's going to help. It's going to help all of us grow. It's going to help all of us be stronger. The story that I'm talking about today uh, from Scripture is uh, a story that might be familiar to some of you. Um, it's, uh, it happens in, in the book of Luke. After Jesus rises from the dead, there is a story called the road to Emmaus. So you may have heard about this story. I'll recap for you, give you an idea. Um, it's important to understand the setup. Um, suffice it to say, the death of Jesus was a big deal. In and around Jerusalem, it was a big deal. Um, Israel kind of had this weird situation where they were occupied by Rome, um, but the leaders of the Jewish faith had sort of gotten into cahoots with the Roman leaders because they were kind of tired of Rome, like always kind of ruling with a heavy fist. And so basically the, the, the leaders of the, the church, the leaders of the, wasn't the Christian church at that point, the leaders of, of the Jewish faith um, had basically told Rome, hey, look, we'll take care of all these rebellions that keep popping up. We will take care of that if you'll just let us be, like have our own kind of life and our own kind of culture. And Rome was cool with that. They're like, look, as long as you, there's no uprisings. And there were uprisings all the time. These people would rise up and they would get a huge a bunch of followers and then they would have to kind of squash and put that down. Jesus was not different than that. He, he had a whole lot of followers. He had raised a lot of interest and um, clearly he had gotten enough political attention that he was uh, executed for his crimes, right? So all of that tells us that his uprising was wide enough and pervasive enough that it, it felt like a threat to the, the order, the rule and reign of what was going on in Jerusalem at the time. And so uh, the Jewish leaders collaborated with Rome and they had him killed. The reason that that's important is because when he died, that was hugely devastating to all those people who had followed him, including the two people we're about to meet in this story who were walking along the road. So this happens just a few days after uh, Jesus has died, and actually it's after Jesus rises from the dead. These people don't know that yet. So what Luke tells us is that after Jesus dies, uh, three days later, some women who were followers of his go to the tomb to do something to the body, and they find the grave closed but no Jesus. Then they meet a gardener, who they think is a gardener, and they talk to the gardener, and then they realize, oh my goodness, this is Jesus, and he's risen from the dead. Also really important to say that nowhere in the, the Jewish faith or understanding of a Messiah was, was resurrection part of that conversation. This was a new thing. This was surprising. So the women went back and told the rest of the disciples, the rest of the, the 11 who were remaining, and said, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what just happened. So word spread pretty quickly that what these women had seen, right? So these two guys, we, actually, we don't know their guys. Some, some actually think that they may have been husband and wife. We only know the name of one of them, and some people have speculated that it might have been a husband and a wife walking on this, this journey. Two people, two followers of Jesus, are walking along this road to a town called Emmaus, about a seven-mile journey. And they're talking about everything that had happened. So that's the first thing that's important to say. And I'm not going to put the whole story up here on the screen, but just a few key verses. In verse 14, uh, in Luke chapter 24, I think it is, um, it says that they're talking about everything that happened. So this tells me that they're having a conversation about all the current events, and the current events at that time would have been the death of Jesus, it would have been all this commotion, and it certainly would have included what the women had, had said that they saw and heard. 
But at this point, nobody else has seen the resurrected Jesus, right? So they're walking along and they're talking about everything that happened. And then it says that as they're discussing these things, all of a sudden, Jesus himself comes alongside them and is walking with them. But they don't recognize him. Kind of like the women in the garden when they went to find the body and they found instead a gardener they didn't recognize. The same kind of thing. Jesus is resurrected. He is fully resurrected in physical form, but he's different enough that people don't recognize him at first. So they don't recognize Jesus, so they're talking to Jesus. Jesus asks a question, hey, what are you talking about? I'm paraphrasing, he probably didn't say it that way, but he said, what are you talking about? And he says, oh my gosh, you must, these two people said, you must be the, the only person in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know the story of what's going on. It's like when you're talking to somebody about the, this news story that you read. You must be the only person who doesn't know about this current event that's going on. So everybody knew about this. Again, why the setup was important is because this is a big deal. Jesus has died, and he's missing. The body's missing. And some women said that they saw him alive. Very strange. So Jesus is with them, and they say, you must be the only person who doesn't know this. And then Jesus is like, what do you mean? Clarify. What things are you talking about are going on in Jerusalem? And I love this because Jesus knows because it's him. <laughs> but he's like egging him on. He's like, well, tell me what? What things? And they say, well, there was this guy named Jesus and he was a prophet and he was amazing. And really important, they say, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. But now he's gone. He's dead. So they're not just talking about everything that's happening. They're, they're sharing their struggles. They're talking about some disappointments and some, some, uh, some heartache, some heartbreak, right? We had these hopes that finally this was going to be the one, the Messiah who would redeem Israel, who would set us free from Roman rule, who would set us free and would, would restore the throne of David. That's what they thought was going to happen. We had hoped this was what was going to happen. So they went on to explain about how that didn't happen and he died. And then they said, yeah, but then th there were these women who went to the tomb. And so this is confusing because they say that now he's not there, but we don't know what's going on. And then Jesus is a, a little aggressive with them. And he says, you just don't get it, do you? You don't understand. And then Jesus began to explain to them what was in the scriptures. I love this part of the story because Jesus is explaining the scriptures. Can you imagine what a cool Bible study class that would have been, right? Like Jesus teaching the scriptures, like that's awesome. So remember though that the scriptures at that time were not the New Testament, so none of that. It was the Old Testament. And Jesus is explaining to them, here's how all of the things that you've been reading and studying your whole life and for thousands of years in the history of Israel we've been writing about and studying about and teaching, here's how all of that leads to the culmination in Jesus. But it's me, but you don't know it's me yet, so I'm talking about me in the third person. I mean, he's probably saying that, right? So all of this stuff in Scripture points to Jesus and culminates in Jesus. And he's teaching them this. And it's obviously pretty fascinating and pretty clear because of some things they say later. Um, and it's so fascinating that as, as they're walking, it's getting to be late, and they get to the village where they're going, and Jesus is like, okay, see you later. He's going to keep going. And they say, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's late. 
you've been with us this whole time. Please stay. Come into our house and have a meal with us. Stay with us. And so Jesus says, okay. So they go into the house. Uh, they share a meal together. Really, really important. So Jesus was at the table with them. At the table with them. Remember, this is just a few days after another table where Jesus was with his disciples. And Luke tells us, Luke is a brilliant storyteller. He connects all these things. You have to understand that, that Luke writes, Jesus took some bread, gave thanks for it, and broke it. Where did we hear that? Just a few verses earlier in the Last Supper. Jesus took some bread, gave thanks for it, and he broke it. So here Jesus is doing this, and Luke is telling us in his storytelling that this is not just for those 11. This is for everybody who's on the journey. Jesus comes in, and he takes the bread, breaks it, gives thanks for it, give, gives thanks for it. And that's for all of us. And then this other amazing thing happens. It says that when Jesus broke the bread, Luke tells us that, that the two that were journeying with him he says their eyes were opened and they saw who Jesus was. They realized, this is Jesus. Their eyes were opened. Another fascinating connection that Luke, the brilliant storyteller, is making, the very first meal in all of Scripture was a couple of people who ate some fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. And you know what, you know what it says? When they ate the fruit, their eyes were opened and they saw they were naked and they were ashamed. Luke is telling us that Jesus takes that meal that opens people's eyes to sin and devastation. Jesus replaces it with a meal where eyes are opened to Jesus. He's breaking the curse. He's setting all of that aside. Luke is a brilliant storyteller. That's not the main point of what I want to say today, but I couldn't not say that. That's such a cool thing. So this moment of Jesus walking alongside, explaining the scriptures, coming in to eat, and then after they recognize him, disappears. This is, this is a beautiful, beautiful story that I, I think has so much to tell us about our journey as disciples. And that's really what this is. The, 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 the culture of, of, of sharing the journey together, it's about discipleship. It's about being together in, in following Jesus. After the story of the, the road to Emmaus, that's in Luke, that's when Jesus appears to his followers. He appears to his disciples, the 11. Um, uh, but only after the, the two on the road to Emmaus, after Jesus disappears, they realized it was him, they ran back to the 11 and told them and said, okay, now we've seen him. The women saw him at the tomb, now we've seen him. So it's real. And so the 11 got really excited and then finally Jesus appears to them and shows them his hands and his side and he says, it's really me. It's a brilliant, beautiful, beautiful story, part of this narrative. Um, I just lost my connection here. Let's try one more time. Normally I would ask Keith to jump up and, and do the slides from the front. Casey, can you jump up and just... Sorry. <laughs> Technology. We've been having... There are gremlins in here the last few weeks. Um, so I, I want to hit on a, a few things here about this story. And I think there are some things that we can learn from, that we can take away from. Um, 
the first thing, go ahead and go to the, to the next slide. And the first build of that. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to point out is that I think we need to understand that these two walking along the road, we're sharing the journey of everyday life. We need to be sharing our journey. And it doesn't mean just coming to church together, sitting in this building. It means that we're, we're going through life together. Um, it means that we're having conversations about real stuff. I love that scripture says they were talking about everything that had happened. And I know it really probably meant all of the, the things about Jesus' death, but, but I can sort of back out from that and, and extrapolate. You know what? We, as disciples, we should have people in our lives to whom we can talk about everything that happens. Hey, I'm having this situation at work. Or hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this part of my parenting. Or hey, you know, my, my mom is not doing real well and I'm trying to figure out how, how, do, I, how do I deal with this situation with my mom's health? Right? We need to talk about these things with other people because that's where discipleship happens. Discipleship happens in those moments when you're having the conversation, not in the moments when you're necessarily like just reading scripture together or something, right? Learning to be a disciple. The word disciple, um, the Latin root is, um, I, from my high school Latin days, I remember uh, discipuli, that means students. We, she always, my Latin teacher always called us students, discipuli. Um, but if you look back into the, into the, the, the Greek, th there's an even bigger connotation of, of apprenticeship. A disciple of a rabbi was someone who imitated that person with their actions, not just learned what they knew, right? Um, fascinating to me as a college professor, I give my students a lot of words and they write down my words and they try to remember my words because they're going to have to take a test about my words, but they're not following me around, imitating me and doing what I do. Right? But that's how education happened. That's how discipleship happened. And so that's what we are. We're following Jesus. We're disciples. But we have to be walking along the journey with one another to be able to do that. And that means even the small things. Uh, it means even little things. Um, like things that are happening, like I said, at work or in, in, at home. But you need to have people that you're talking about those things with. But at the same time, it's important to understand that it's not just the small talk. Right? The other piece of this story that's beautiful is they were heartbroken. They were devastated. Who do you have in your life that you can go to when things get really hard, that you can be open and honest with and say, man, I'm struggling with this, right? It's important that you have someone that you can do that with who shares that journey of faith, side by side, eyes on the destination, right? So that's, that's the first part. Um, you can go to the next one. Uh, the second thing that, that the story brings to mind is that these two shared their journey with Jesus. They were walking along, talking about everything that had happened, and then all of a sudden Jesus came alongside them. For us, on the journey of discipleship, on the journey of, of uh, sharing with one another, we have to bring Jesus into that conversation. So everything I just said about sharing life and the details of what's going on with your life, there are people in my life that I can talk to about things that don't have my same understanding of faith and the same orientation of what our final destination is on this journey. And that's okay. I can have conversations with them about, you know, hey, this thing's happening at work, or, oh, man, you know, my, my kids, or, or str I'm struggling with, with a decision about parenting, whatever. But what I really need is people with whom I can talk about those things and then say, I just am not sure what Jesus wants me to do about that. I'm just not sure how this impacts the kingdom, Right? Having the conversations with Jesus involved 
is a totally different thing. So we need to have the conversation. We need to share the journey of everyday life. But we need to make sure that Jesus is part of that. We need to bring Jesus into the equation. We, uh, before the pandemic, we used to have meal communities a lot. We would, we would get together and, and, and have meals. And in my particular meal community, we would always ask the question, how are you being shaped by Jesus? And or, how are you being sent? Or where are you being sent by Jesus? The conversation always, we tried, didn't always work, but we tried to always bring it around to something about, well, I want to talk about your life, but let's talk about where and how those things are, are connected to Jesus. I'm going to propose a couple of new questions. Keith and I were brainstorming the other day, and, and maybe the new questions having to do with this journey are, are something like this. Maybe you want to ask something like, um, where do I need Jesus in my life? As I'm talking about my struggles and my, my journey with you, with my fellow journeyers, <laughs> where do I need Jesus in my life? Where does Jesus need to come in and help me with something or, or fix something or, or bring his spirit to, to heal brokenness, right? But then the other question is, where do I see Jesus? Maybe I'm talking about things and, and in my conversation with you, you can help me to see, oh, Jesus is actually at work here. Jesus is actually doing something there. And that's the difference about a relationship where you are disciples on the same path and not just friends talking about life, right? So we talk about the journey of everyday life. Uh, we also share the journey uh, with Jesus. And then the next one is um, we share the journey through Scripture. You can't ignore the fact that the, the primary thing that happened in this journey road to Emmaus is that Jesus taught them the Scriptures. After Jesus ate the meal with them and then disappeared, or I'm not even sure if he ate, it sounded like he just broke the bread and took off, which now that I think about it is kind of rude. But nonetheless, <laughs> he broke the bread and disappeared. After he left, after they realized it was Jesus, they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was teaching us the scriptures? It's like they were saying, oh, we now understand why it was so compelling, the things he was saying, because he's Jesus. So, Scripture was involved in this. It was important. I have a caution and I have an encouragement about this. The caution that I have about this comes from my background, growing up in, in a church, confession, a Baptist church, where discipleship was what you did on Sunday night. <laughs> discipleship was a program. You go to church on Sunday morning, and then Sunday night you go to discipleship. Sometimes called discipleship meeting, you know, I'm like, okay. And what that meant to go to discipleship was it was Bible study. That was it. It was discipleship equals Bible study. You go into a room with other people, you open your Bible, there's a person who knows more than you, and he tells you what you're supposed to think about the Bible, and you say, that's amazing, and that's interesting, and then you walk away, and you're not really a disciple so it's not really discipleship. So that's the caution part. So when I say scripture needs to be a part of this conversation, I'm not talking about in that way. Bible study is great. Please don't get me wrong. Bible study is important. But in isolation, it doesn't transform you into a disciple, right? The encouragement that I have, so that was the caution. The encouragement part about this is that the Bible, to, to read the Bible on a regular basis, puts it in your head, puts it in your heart, and helps you to have a common framework and a common understanding with those people that you are walking with along the journey. I don't want you to think you have to be a Bible expert to be a disciple, but I also don't want you to think that you can be a disciple without Scripture. 
Jesus is the primary. Jesus is the center of our faith. But the scriptures, that's God's revelation about who Jesus is. So we read the scriptures through the lens of Jesus, but the scriptures also inform us about who Jesus is. So the scriptures are really important, and so that's a part of the journey. So it's important to read the Bible for yourself if you have a daily devotional or if you like to read big chunks at a time or however you do it. Come, when you come in here, we always teach from the scriptures. That's why, because the scriptures are an important part of what we do and how we live our lives. So when we're on that journey, side by side, eyes on the same destination, we can talk about our lives, we can talk about how Jesus is connected to that, but we also have the common understanding that, yeah, this is what the Bible teaches us. That can get muddy because there's about a million different ways to interpret different scriptures, and we all know Christians and churches who have manipulated scriptures in a way that seem less than the character of Jesus, right? So we start with Jesus being central in the character of Jesus, but we have to use the scriptures. We have to. So scriptures are part of that. Um, so we are share the journey of everyday life. We share the journey with Jesus. We share the journey through scripture. <laughs> scripture. And then the fourth one is we share the journey at the table. We, we're trying to define culture here at LifePath because it's been a rocky year and a half and we want to make sure that everybody understands uh, where we are and we're trying to define the culture of this, of this church. Um, and for those of you, I apologize because I know full well that there are many of you in this room and on Zoom who started coming to LifePath during the pandemic. So when Keith and I sometimes talk about pre-pandemic stuff, I don't want you to feel excluded or like you're not part of it or whatever it's important to understand that we are all part of the church we are the church if you're in this room we consider you an important part of the culture that we are building and creating so that's why i'm talking about this today so the culture we're creating has to be about sharing the journey at the table and we at life path have always had an enjoyment of meals together and eating together and sharing food together and I'm going to tell a story uh, that I hope my son won't mind telling. Um, he just got back from a three-week three camp. He was away for three weeks. It was really a long time. It's the longest he's ever been away from home. He had a blast. He had a great time. Yesterday in the car on the way home, he was telling us that he got into a conversation about church, about faith, about Christianity. And this is a theater camp, so you had all kinds of people there, um, and not very many of them who were who were Christians or people who were serious about their faith. So I was curious to know what, what he said. And as he was telling us the story, he said, well, I told them about my church and I told them about, um, you know, the, the, the three things that, that we always say. I don't know if I brought it up here or not. On your, on your handout, uh, it says that Jesus is the center of our faith, community is the center of our lives, and uh, reconciliation is the center of our work. And that's one of the things we like to say uh, because it gives us the three big big pieces of what we do. And I was really proud of him. I was like, hey, that's really great that he remembered those things and he shared those things with the people he was talking to. And then he said, yeah, and also our church likes to eat a lot, so we just eat together all the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of who we are. We're like, let's get together and eat. Why? Why is eating such a big deal? I, I feel like Eating is such a primal function of our, of our lives that when we share it with other people, we can't help but to be connected with them in some ways. Um, one of my favorite uh, documentary shows on Netflix I watched recently um, within the past year or so is called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. 
It's a cooking show uh, based on a, a book by the same name uh, by, I want to get her name right, um, um, Samin, Samin Nosrat. And so Samin Nosrat is um, uh, the host and, and it's kind of a star of this four-episode cooking show. Uh, talks about the four elements in all foods, right? Salt, fat, acid, and heat. And her, her premise is that each of those combines in a certain way to, to you know, make flavor and that sort of stuff. And it's really fascinating from that standpoint. But here's why it matters to, to what I'm about to say. You watch that documentary, every time, she, she travels all over the world for each episode. And whenever she is somewhere, she's talking with someone local. She's talking with a friend, and they're, they're looking at, at picking, how do you pick the olives for the olive oil that you're going to use? And how do you, how do, you do this? What do you, how do you really uh, make pancetta, right? What do you really do with the, with the pig or whatever? You know, and it's like, she, but she's talking to these locals who know what they're doing. And at the end of every episode, the meal that she has built from going to the market, local markets with friends and going to all these local people, the meal that she has built is enjoyed by a huge table of friends and family every time. It's really a beautiful, beautiful documentary. It's less about the technique of cooking and just more sort of about the experience of eating good food together. And what I love about that is it highlights what we all know to be true. When you eat together, you are sharing life in a really powerful way. So it's no surprise that Jesus uses the table as a way to say, this is how you will remember me for the rest of time until I come back. We're going to share the table in just a minute. It's not quite the same as a, a full meal. Um, it's wrapped in cellophane and foil, a tiny little wafer of bread, and a, I don't know if you call it bread, but wafer and, and juice. But it's, it's the symbol of Jesus taking the bread, breaking it, giving thanks, sharing it. We share the meal together. And it joins us together on the journey. I've had some really life-changing connections over meals, and I, maybe you have too. Um, I remember when um, my wife and I decided to pack up everything we had and move to California to, to go just kind of hang out at this church. We just felt led by God to do something crazy. And it was over a meal with a friend that that decision was really made. Our decision to start a church happened over a meal. Uh, our, my decision, our decision to, to um, go back to grad school and become a professor happened over a meal. Like those things, pivotal moments. You probably have similar moments in your life where you remember, hey, that was an important decision or moment or re realization. And it happened at a table with people I was talking with. So the meal is an important component of this. As we journey together, we share the journey of everyday life. We need to talk to each other about what's going on, not just come to church and sit in the same room and listen to Keith talk to you, right? Let's talk to each other, share that journey. We need, we need a culture of sharing that journey with Jesus. Bring Jesus into the conversation. Where are you seeing Jesus? Where do you need Jesus to, to come in and do some things for you? We share the journey through Scripture by reading it together, by, by understanding, by, by discussing it, by talking about it. We share the journey of the table at the table with one another. The people that we're journeying in faith with, we need to eat meals together and let those things happen. So I think this culture of the journey is really beautiful, and I think the story is a beautiful example of that. Um, there was, I'll finish with this. Uh, there was a time in, um, in my wife and my life um, when we, we didn't have a church. So we planted a church, and... 
in a heartbreaking and devastating way that didn't work out and we were left with a lot of confusion and a lot of pain much like the two on the road to Emmaus and we had we had, had to move a couple of times back home with my parents and then to grad school and other things and so there was a stretch of years where we didn't have a church and in the moments where we missed it um, we didn't necessarily miss going to church you know the things about it that it's like well no it's I like to have my Sunday mornings back <laughs> to be fully honest with you but here's the thing what we missed what we said to each other was you know what we don't have right now we don't have other people in our lives sharing our journey that we can just talk to about stuff and say what, what is going on we can ask our questions we can share our struggles we can we can deal with our our doubts and the frustrations right we didn't have people so coming back into a church environment that's what we now understand is the primary thing for all of us is one another it's not coming to the gathering it's not attending a program it's not anything like that it's having other people to share that journey with so that's the culture i think uh i want to create and i think um it's really important so let's go to the next slide jason yeah so we're going to do a little q a i think we have a few minutes which is